This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Millions of Canadians have been infected with COVID-19 over the last four years. COVID impacted them in a number of ways. Some people continue to experience effects of the disease long after contraction. Researchers are trying to get a better understanding of long COVID. Dr. Angela Chung is one of those researchers. Dr. Chung is part of the University Health Network in Toronto. Dr. Chung, thank you so much for making time to be part of the show today. I'm grateful. Thank you. Thanks you for having me. So what are some of the characteristics or symptoms that people with long COVID are experiencing? Um, the most common one is fatigue. Uh, some patients will feel short of breath when they walk, um, and um, some have a fast heart rate. Um, people have trouble with joint pains and muscle aches, uh, also brain fog um, and uh, difficulty sleeping. There are so many symptoms. There are about 200 symptoms uh, that can happen with long COVID. What about some of the demographics? Are there people who are particularly susceptible to contracting a long COVID infection? Women are more susceptible than men. And, um, you know, the, between the ages of around sort of uh, 30 to uh, 60, that's probably the highest uh, rate um, for this. One of the interesting developments in the acute version of COVID-19 is there's been some development on treatment options. I know for vulnerable people, uh, products like Paxlovid are being uh, prescribed to prevent more acute or serious infection. What about the treatments available for COVID-19? What's out there for patients experiencing an infection? Um, so um, we do have some studies showing that if you took Paxlovid, um, the antiviral medication, when you have the acute infection, there is a smaller chance of getting long COVID. Um, we also know that there's another medication, which is a diabetes medication, that also reduces the risk of long COVID as well, if you take it initially with the acute infection. What's the timeline? I, I know that every individual is different, but what are some of the timelines around what constitutes long COVID rather than, say, lingering symptoms for someone who may have had the infection a couple of weeks ago? So um, there are some differences between countries in terms of how you define long COVID. In the U.S., uh, the CDC defines it as um, anything that's more than a month uh, or four weeks. And the WHO actually defines it as anything greater than 12 weeks or about three months. And so Canadians are a little bit more conservative because sometimes um, if you get COVID and you're very sick and you got, went to the ICU, it, you may not even be out of the hospital by four weeks. And so it's not that surprising uh, to have symptoms um, when you're still sick. So we have been using the 12-week definition in Canada. 
Dr. Chung, one of the, the elements of the pandemic that's been interesting to me is the research and how things are evolving in real time, trying to uh, relate to real-time data as it comes in while still utilizing the scientific method. What has that research process been like for you and your colleagues as the pandemic has evolved and there have been more variants and sub-variants that may display or manifest symptoms in different ways? Um, so during the pandemic, there's lots of collaboration and funding um, uh, to look at long COVID and COVID itself and how that affects Canadians. And I would say over the last two or three years, um, there's great collaboration between the government and uh, scientific institutions um, and universities uh, to try to, um, you know, be up to date with what's going on. And there's like, uh, even though papers may not be published, but there's a sharing of information. Um, but now that the pandemic is over, that WHO declared it sort of is no longer a pandemic, it's more endemic, um, then uh, there's less funding and um, uh, there's less of a connection um, to discuss some of these things um, across the country. What have you found most interesting during the course of your research in the last four years? Um, there's a lot of great science, um, and I think that great science will help other areas as well. So, you know, it's one of these viruses that is new, but we already understood that um, it enters the cells through something called the ACE2 receptor. And because the ACE2 receptor is in many different cells in our bodies, um, it can attack different systems, not just your lungs um, or your respiratory system. And because it can attack different systems, that's how you get so many symptoms and how so many systems are affected. Ultimately, when you and I talk about COVID-19 and, and long COVID, there are human aspects to this. There are big human consequences. A few of my friends uh, dealt with it quite quite badly. I mean, they, they had um, they, they were they were well young people. I, I'm 40 years old. We're not that young, but but we you know they, they, these were people who were relatively healthy, relatively young, who experienced long COVID for six, seven, eight, nine, ten months, and it had a tremendous impact on their life. What's the message you have for people who are experiencing long COVID? as they move forward? Um, I, I would have two messages. One is that COVID is still here. Um, it's the largest spike that we've had uh, since 2022. And so um, people should still take precautions like masking in um, public indoor um, crowded areas and make sure you have your vaccinations are up to date. Uh, make sure air ventilation is good and take precautions in terms of if you're not feeling too well, then don't go out for dinner with friends um, so that you don't pass it on to others. Uh, so prevention is key um, to if you don't get COVID, you won't get long COVID. Mm. Um, so that's one message. The second message is around really um, there's lots of science going on. And so uh, I'm very optimistic that we will find a cure for long COVID in the near future. Dr. Chung, thank you so much for taking some time today. Thank you to you and your colleagues for all the work you do, all the research you're doing. It's really interesting stuff. And let's catch up again uh, down the road. Sounds good. Okay.
Great seeing, talking to you. That's Dr. Angela Chung. Dr. Chung is a researcher at the University Health Network in Toronto. No Ramya Amuthan on the show today because there's some uh, maintenance going on at Ramya's building. She did send over an email about what's coming up on Kelly and Ramya at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI. Danielle McLaughlin will stop by for a Know Your Rights segment. Danielle will break down non-disclosure agreements and their purposes. Michael Babcock describes the Todoist app. <laughs> oh no, the Todoist app. I'm assuming that's Todoist, not Todoist. And plus, you'll get a chance to meet uh, some entrepreneurs featured on the latest season of AMI's Mind Your Own Business, of course. So that's a show hosted by Kevin Shaw, friend of the program. You can find uh, episodes on demand at amiplus.ca. And you can find Kelly and Ramya at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv or on demand on your favorite podcasting platform. Coming up next, 2024 is the start of a new fitness journey or maybe it's continuity ryan van prate tackles some of your big questions about personal fitness and nutrition it was an ask me anything so looking forward to picking ryan's brain this is now with dave brown on ami tv Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.